0: There's only one chapter. Third uh, John. It's just a small, tiny little book uh, here towards the end uh, of the New Testament. But I want to read a couple verses uh, to you and talk to you a little bit about truth as a good report. Truth as a good report. Third John, look, look with me in uh, verse number three. Verse number three. The scripture says, For I rejoice greatly. When the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Verse four, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What a blessing that is, not only uh, biologically, but also spiritually, as your children, those uh, that you bear and those that uh, uh, you had a part in winning to Christ. are walking in the truth and john says what a what a great joy that is a great joy that is to me obviously to the person because they're walking in the truth, but what a joy it is to me to know that you are walking in the truth that 's how important the truth uh, is uh, to the believer and to the truth and to the church uh, as we we walk in it. Look with me in verse number 8. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Go down with me to verse number 12. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and you know, that our record is true. So as John is writing this, just this very small epistle, he's talking about the importance of truth. Where we have gone today is we have kind of veered away from the truth. I'm talking about the unadulterated truth of the Word of God. What people today have done is they have uh, uh, flown to or flocked to, if you will, a concept of the truth, an interpretation of the truth. See, what we've done is we have taken the truth individually, we've taken it theologically, we've taken it as churches, And we've changed the truth to make ourselves feel better. So if we don't like what something says in the word of God, no problems. No worries, we'll just tweak it and change it. You see, once upon a time, that was a no-no. Once upon a time, people would call you out if you veered away from the truth. But I'm here to tell you anymore, it's an acceptable practice. I'm telling you here anymore, and I think one of those reasons is the, 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 the extreme amount of interpretations and versions we have of the Word of God. Amen, I mean, there is every version that you can think of. There is even crazy versions that you wouldn't even believe are out there. You may or may not know this, but there's such thing as the rap Bible, R-A-P, rap Bible, where it calls God bro. There is the no gender Bible because if you didn't know this, gender is offensive in our world today. So what do we do? We take out all gender. And there is a version of the Bible called the no-gender Bible. That's not counting the NIV and the NASB and the RSV. And you put about any letters together and it's probably a version of the Word of God. So let me tell you something about without going into versions and all this big fight about versions. I'm not going to go into this, but I want you to know this much. This is a simple truth to think about. In life, and when it comes to the truth, things that are different are not the same. You think to yourself, that's just, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, obviously, things that are different are not the same. But if things are different, then they can't be the same thing. So if you've got all these things and you've got these different uh, interpretations and these different ideas of, of what the word of God says in some versions. And by the way, if you're not up to it, you ought to be up to it. There are some versions of the word of God that take out entire sections of the Bible. Why? Because it doesn't belong there. Who decides it doesn't belong there? So you you see what I'm talking about when I'm talking about interpretation? And we've taken things and we've twisted them and we've turned them and we've made them into what we want them to say. That is not the truth. That is opinion. Now, everybody's got an opinion, right? I mean, we all have opinions and and they differ. And that's okay when it comes to opinions. But God's word is not an opinion. God's word is not to be trifled with. God's word is truth. And if God's word is truth, then that's what we go off. Because the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. What does that mean? It doesn't necessarily mean that every man always lies. That's not what it's talking about. What it is talking about is that if a man says one thing and it's contrary to the word of God, then God is right and man is wrong. Every single time. So you can't take out sections of the word of God just because they don't make sense to you. You can't take out sections of the word of God because they offend you. There's some things in, there's some things in the Bible I scratch my head on and go, what, "What? what? Have you taken a gander at the Old Testament lately? Because if you didn't know this, God wiped out whole people groups. Men, women, ch- children. He took out their animals, their cattle, their sheep. Well, my God. would Wait, what do, you mean, what do you mean my God? This is another thing that we do. We like to say, well, my God wouldn't or my Bible. the God of the word of God he decides who he is not you you don't get to decide who God is God's already decided who he is and so what do we do we read God's word we accept it as truth and we allow it to change, change our lives Amen. you know why people's lives aren't changed anymore because we've got the way the word of God it's God's word that changes lives, not your opinion not your interpretation of it but what God says, what thus saith the Lord. What thus saith Joe Springer's opinion. What thus saith the church's opinions. We have a constitution of our laws. In that constitution of our laws, we have a, a doctrinal statement. This is what we believe. And let me tell you something. In that doctrinal statement, beside every doctrine, there are multiple verses in the Word of God. Because let me tell you what. The Church, am I on? I There it is. Well, I sounded like I was pretty loud. <laughs> <laughs> but they they won't be able to hear on the live stream. Um. And that's 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 twice, Dan. You 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 messed me up. We're gonna have to have a talk afterwards. I completely lost, but where was I? I was lost by my train of I lost. I lost. I lost. So, we have this doctrinal statement that we have. Well, in that doctrinal statement, it's not the doctrinal statement. Really, it's not the doctrinal statement of charge. It's the doctrinal statement of the Word of God. Say. So we we have the truth. We're not looking for the truth. We're not we're not seeking after additional truth. I know there's books out there, there's lots of them. There's books out there like the, the, the lost book of Thomas, where Thomas really got a uh, uh, uh or Judas, the lost book of Judas, excuse me, that Judas really got a bad rap. And uh, he was really the good disciple, and, and this, this, this lost book, and this book was... Let me tell you something. It's not in the canon for a reason. There's a lot of books out there. That doesn't make them the Bible. We have one book uh, called the Bible in 66 individual books from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That's the Word of God. I'm not looking for something additional to come along. I'm not looking for some uh, hidden books or lost books. When the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, were, were found in Quamram by that Bedouin uh, 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 man, they found these scrolls. Let me tell you what they did. They didn't, they didn't all, all of a sudden become scripture. They were scripture. And they confirmed the scripture that we have. Because we have the truth. And I'm telling you, your life will never be changed. And your life will never be what it's supposed to be until you get a grasp and a hold that we have the truth of the Word of God. Because it's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that changes our lives. And we have that truth, that good report that we have found here in 3 John. The truth, a good report. What will the truth do? What will the truth of the Word of God do? do in a person's life, in your life, and in my life. I want you to know this, that if the the truth of the Word of God can make a difference in my life, it can make a difference in your life. And if it can make a difference in your life, it can make a difference in somebody else's life. You see, it's the truth of the Word of God that makes the difference. Paul said this, I am what I am by the grace of God. It's the grace of God, it's the truth of God that has made me what I am. And listen to what he said. He said, if he can save me, he has already saved the chief of sinners. This is what he's saying. This is what Paul's saying. If God's word can make a difference in my life, it can make a difference in your life. And through generations, through generations and generations... God's word has changed people's lives. So what can God's word do in your life? Number one, God's word can transform you. It can transform you. I, I love Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse number two, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what does he say? He says we don't need to be conformed. Let me tell you what conformed is. Conformed is when we become like the world. We're so worried about, let me tell you something, we are so worried about how we look, but we're more worried about how we look towards the world than how we look towards God. I mean, we spend, I, don't, I can't even imagine, I should have done research on it, how much money we spend on cosmetics and, 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 and plastic surgery and all these things that we do to make ourselves look better. Nobody wants to grow older, so what are they doing? They're constantly trying to make themselves look younger. Well, I don't do that. I'm, well, I'm telling you, you may not do that, but I'm telling you, the world does it all the time. All the time. And you've got creams that erase, erase wrinkles, and you've got stuff you can put under your eyes, and you've got stuff to get, to get those, those crow's feet, or what? I don't know where they really come up with these names, but these things that are uh, up in the corner of your eye, and we try to get rid of all these things. Why? Because we're so concerned. Now, I'm not saying it's, not, it's wrong to look. To look nice. I'm not not saying that. But if you're more concerned about what the world thinks of you than what God thinks of you, you're in trouble spiritually. And you're being conformed and not transformed. Because let me tell you what transformation is. Transformation is becoming something that you are not previous. You ever see a caterpillar? That's about the ugliest things you've ever seen. I got all these legs and... You know, they're, just, they're just nasty looking. They say they taste gross too. I've never eaten one, but, but let me tell you what they do. Most of them, I don't know if all of them, but most of them, they transform. It's called metamorphosis, and they transform into this beautiful butterfly. They become something, they're here, something, and they transform into something that they weren't previous. You see, transformation when it comes to salvation is becoming something that you weren't. Therefore, if any man being Christ, Second Corinthians five seventeen, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You become a new creature in Christ. You become transformed. You see, when I got saved, praise the Lord, I became something that I wasn't previous. I was. I was a I was a wicked man. I was a sinner. I was lost. I was hateful. I was a hateful person. It's just, some of you look at me thinking, well, you know, well, I tell you something, if you knew me then, you'd be, you'd be glad I'm not that guy. Just a hateful person. And God saved me. And let me tell you what He did. He He didn't conform me to any one person. He transformed me and made me different. I'm now a new creature in Christ. Salvation. If you've never been saved, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, understand this. God died for you. Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day. He did it for a purpose. And that purpose is you. That purpose is me. And he wants us to be transformed. He wants us to be new creatures in Jesus Christ. You see, I'm, I'm dead to the old man and I'm alive under Christ. And We need to stay dead to the old man because we are alive under Christ. It will transform you when it comes to salvation. That's the heart. Let me tell you what God wants to do. He wants to transform your heart. wants to change your heart. You see, your heart, the Bible says, is above all things desperately wicked. That's what your heart is. By nature, you're a sinner. You're lost. You're undone. And without Christ, our only hope is to spend eternity in hell. That's gloom and doom, but that's truth. And Jesus Christ took our place, he became sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And because he's transformed our hearts, he's made us anew. And now when God sees you, because by the way, you're going to stand before God one day. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you, he sees Christ in you. That's the only reason you get to go to heaven. You don't get to go to heaven because you're a good person. You don't get to go to heaven because you're a member of a Baptist church. You don't get to go to heaven because your parents and your parents' parents and your parents' parents' parents, parents were saved. It has nothing to do with your genealogy. It has nothing to do with your, 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 your geology. It doesn't matter where you live, it's nothing to do with your geography. It doesn't have anything to do with your genealogy. It has nothing to do with any of those things. The reason you're saved, if you're saved this morning, is because you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen and he took your place. Jesus Christ took our place. We've been transformed. If you've not been transformed, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and have your heart transformed. So the truth will transform, transform you in salvation. The truth will transform you in sanctification. See, not only does he want to transform your heart, he wants to transform your mind. Let's change the way you think. Right? I mean, we shouldn't be thinking the same way we did when we were a lost person. All things have become new. Sanctify them, John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's God's word that changes us. And we ought to be biblically minded. We ought to be thinking towards the truth. We ought to be ready, as a born-again believer, we ought to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Where does that answer come from? Well, it doesn't come from some theology book. It doesn't come from, you know, your, your back pocket or your wallet. Where does it come from? It comes from the truth we got to know that's why the Bible says to study to show that self-approved. We need to study the Word of God. We need to read the Word of God so we're ready. This is what God does. Listen, He transforms our heart and saves us. Then He transforms our mind and sanctifies us. Salvation's instantaneous. It happens. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, I didn't wait six months for a six-month waiting period before I got saved. When I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, instantaneously I got saved. I got saved before I ever went to a church. I got saved before I ever went to an altar. I got saved before I ever got baptized. I got saved before I did anything. I got saved on the USS Jack Williams Uh, uh, by my rack. Uh, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Instantly I was saved. Salvation is not a process. Sanctification, however, is a process. So now I'm saved. Now I trust in Christ as my Savior. Now I need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God has transformed my heart. He's not only entered my heart as a resident in my heart, but He's also the president of my heart. He rules my life. Now what does He want? My mind. The way I think. The way I process things. The way my perspective God wants those things in your life. As you grow spiritually, those things begin to change. I don't see things like I used to see them. When I first got saved, I had some skewed ideas. Some things that I thought, this is the way it should be, and I was wrong. And as I grew, and as God renewed my mind, and as I studied the word of God... God revealed to me. Sometimes we talk about God turning on the light, right? That light bulb moment that you say, oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. God turns that light on and God turns. Let me tell you what salvation is. Salvation is turning the light on all all at one time and you got it all. Sanctification is turning a lamp on and turning another lamp on and turning another lamp on. You see, the truth of the word of God, the psalm says, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, shows us that next step. And as we begin to go in the right direction, God shows us that next step, and he begins to renew our mind. He begins to change the way we think, because I want you to know something. We don't all think alike. Isn't that a revelation? We all think different, don't we? We all have different perspectives on things. We all have different ideas on things. You take three men and you give them a box with a bicycle in it and tell them to put it together, I guarantee you there's going to be three different processes. And there might be four out of the three men. The bike's probably going to get put together. But one of the guys is going to follow the instructions to the letter. That's a very small group of guys, by the way. The other guy, he's just going to know everything about putting things together, and he's going to put it together. The third guy's going to have it together. He's going to ignore the instructions, and he's always going to have extra pieces. And you know what he's going to say? Oh, I was wrong. No, they didn't need those pieces anyways. Don't, Don't we all look at things differently? And by the way, in the Christian realm, that's true too. Do you know as a babe in Christ I looked at different things differently than I do as a mature Christian now and one day I'll not see through a glass darkly I'll see through glass as face to face the scripture says and so I I won't have any limitations right now we have limitations on what we what we can know but one day I'll have no limitations and I won't see through a dark glass darkly anymore I'll be able to see purely and as I grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, God reveals things to me. But well, I, I don't necessarily think the way I used to. I don't necessarily look at the things uh, that I, uh, the way I used to when I was uh, uh, a less mature Christian. Let me tell you the problem. And it's a major problem in Christianity today. People get saved. That's not the problem. Obviously, that's a good thing. They trust Christ as their Savior, but they never go through a process of sanctification. They stay babes in Christ. They never grow up. They never learn. They never mature. And let me tell you what happens. You know why I know this is a problem? Because the result of that is what is a problem in our churches today. You know what a result of never growing up is? You always get your feelings hurt. I mean, somebody says one thing, and man, you just, I mean, you're madder than a hornet. I mean, sheep, I can't believe. But you know, as we mature and grow up, you you can understand. You've put a a toy in the middle of a room, and you take two two two-year-olds. I mean, generally, that's not always true. Sometimes they're passive, but mm, not so much. They're going to go over that toy, and eventually, they might even start playing together, but eventually, one of them is going to take ownership of, the, uh, of that toy. And if he has to clock the other one, if you don't intervene, he's probably going to do it. Why? Because that's, that's mine. And you look at kids, and you say, okay, well, they need to learn, and we need to teach them, and we need to That's pitiful when two 50-year-olds do it. Right? It may not be a toy, but it's something. And we get our feelings hurt over this and we get our feelings hurt over that and we wear our feelings on our sleeves. And let me tell you what is the result of. It's a result of a lack of spirituality. And what is a lack of spirituality? It's a lack of sanctification. God's working. Listen, God's working on me. If you've arrived, you're in trouble. Amen, if you've arrived spiritually and you think to yourself, listen, there's nothing else I can learn. Well, you've got a big, fat pride problem. That you got to deal with. Says so we all got room to learn. we all got room to grow. You, know, you see these bumper stickers. You see these signs that say, no, judge me. I'm a work in progress. We are. We're a work in progress. But let me tell you what we shouldn't be. This year, we shouldn't be the same Christian we were last year. We ought to have grown up a little bit. At least a little bit. We certainly shouldn't be the same Christian we were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. We've gone through life as a as a baby Christian. I mean, we've gone through this life as a baby Christian. I'll tell you something: we are in a mess, and I'm telling you, our churches are in a mess because of it. Amen, brother. We've got to grow up. Sanctification: the truth of the Word of God will transform us. It will renew our mind. We already read in Romans chapter twelve and verses one and two. He wants us to. He wants to transform our mind a renewed mind, and then a righteous mind. God wants us to have a righteous mind. You know what he says about Jesus in Philippians, or he says about us in Philippians chapter 2? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a tall glass of water. Amen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus did. He always made the right decision. He always did the right thing. How do we know that? Because there was no sin in him. He was the perfect son. You talk about, you you know, getting getting a good kid. (laughs) I mean, he never lied. He never cheated. I mean, he never sashed his parents. How do you know that, preacher? Because he was without sin. And those things are sinful things. And so he could have never done those things. And then he grew up and he, and he lived a sinless, perfect life and lived this ministry where he went and healed and, and everything he thought was the right thoughts. And let me tell you what the Bible says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's difficult. But you know what we ought to strive to do every day? As a born-again believer, you ought to strive to be like Christ. Strive to be more like him. Well, how do I be more like him? We get into the truth of the word of God. We find out what he's like, and we make changes. If you don't like something about yourself, what do you do? You make changes. You don't like the color of your hair? You dye it. You don't like not seeing? You buy glasses. Right? There's something that you don't like. You change it. If you can change it, you change it. Spiritually should be the same way, folks. I don't like the decisions I'm making. Then change it. I don't like the way I'm thinking. Then change it. You can, with God's help, change it. Stop using excuses. Stop blaming it on everybody else. And just do what God tells you to do. I mean, if we would just live That simple principle, it would change a whole lot about the local church. Transform you through salvation. Transform you through sanctification. That's the mind, the heart and the mind. And then transform you through separation. You see, salvation is the heart. Sanctification is the mind. Separation is the way we live. The way we live, is that important to God? God. I venture to say, the Bible's pretty clear on that, right? Be holy, for I am holy. I mean, there's no other verse than that. But the Scripture speaks of it over and over and over again. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The Bible is absolutely clear. That we are not to live like the world. We're in the world. We're not of the world. We represent another world. We represent another place. And unfortunately, many Christians are not doing a very good job of representing heaven and representing God well. Do you know what happens if you're an ambassador? If you ended up being an ambassador for another country, and just say you went to France. Oh, Benjamin Franklin was an ambassador to France. Matter of fact, did a whole lot of good. But say you are an ambassador in France, and you went over to France, and you, you were representing. Let me tell you what you're representing. You're not representing France. You're representing the country that you're coming from. The country you're coming from is the United States. So you're going to France, you're representing the United States in France. If you're a bad ambassador, they're going to kick you out of France. And if you're a bad ambassador for the United States, the United States is going to pull you from France. You know what the Bible calls us? Ambassadors. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. The question is, are you a good one? Are you representing him well? Because let me tell you something, not only does your heart need to be changed and your mind need to be changed, but your ways need to be changed. If you're walking in the wrong direction and you want the blessings of God, you're going to have to change direction. Does that make sense? I said it in Sunday school this morning. I said, if you got a whole line of thorn bushes and you're walking in those thorn bushes and you stop halfway through and you say to yourself, listen, I, I'm, I'm tired of bleeding. I'm tired of being in pain. I do not want to be in these thorn bushes any longer. Make that decision, change your mind about it, and can continue to walk in the thorn bushes, then you ain't got no sense. You deserve to be bleeding. You deserve to be sore and hurting. You know what you got to do? You got to just more than change your mind. You got to change your direction. So if the thorn bushes are that way, I'm turning this way. I'm getting out of the thorn bushes. To do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, is the definition of crazy. Folks, that's nuts. For you to do the same thing. Oh, listen. If you put the cookies in the oven. And you put them in for you know, three hours. I don't know how long. I, I know that'll burn them. And, and you put them in for three hours. And they burn. And you take them out and throw them in the trash. And you put a new set in and put them in for three hours again. Now listen, I'm not a cook. But I promise you, they're going to burn again. I mean, if nothing changes. You're going to get the same result. So what do you got to do? Something's got to change. And spiritually, something's got to change. We keep going in the direction we're going to go in, then expect judgment. Expect it. It's going to happen. What do we got to do? We got to change. We got to change our ways. We got to change the way we walk. We got to change the way we talk. I tell you, when I was growing up, I had very few friends. The reason I had very few friends is because I didn't like people. I didn't want friends. I was that kid. Listen, I wasn't that kid that really wanted friends but was awkward. No, I, I didn't like people, period. And I didn't, I didn't want to be around them. And you know what I did? Hey, if somebody ever tried to get close to me, I was just mean as a rattlesnake to them. Talked to them mean, said mean things. And guess what they did? They stayed away from me. I was, I, was the, I, was the, I was the odd man out. I had a few, but they were just like me, and we were, all, we were, the, we were the mean-spirited club. I mean, you understand, if I wanted friends, guess what? I would have had to change some things. I would have had to change the way I talked to people. I would have had to change the way I treated people. You can't treat people like junkyard dogs and expect them to love you. There are some super spiritual people that will and they're going to love you no matter what. But I'm going to tell you something, by and far, people ain't going to get around people like that. And if they do, guess what happens? They end up being just like them. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have any friends. We told our kids this from when they were young. Let me tell you something. You want friends? Be friendly. It's a biblical principle, by the way. You want to have friends? Show yourself friendly. You can't be a jerk and expect people to want to hang around you. So what do you got to do? You got to change your ways. And I don't know about you, but it's hard. It's hard to change. Anybody in here? You just enjoy changing all the time. I know there are some people that are probably like that, but I think most of us, eh, not so much. I don't like to change. If my wife came in to my to my to my uh, To my dresser drawers and changed where my socks were, I'd have a conniption fit. I'm serious. I'm that kind of person. I would immediately change my socks back to where they go. She knows it. She don't... I'm just... Socks are just... Shirts are hanging a certain way. Pants are hanging a certain way. Listen, it could be pitch black. I could be blind and know where my stuff is because it's always been there. It's always been in the same spot. And if it's moved, I didn't move it. Somebody else moved it. Because I don't... I don't, I don't like to change things. I like things to remain the same. But sometimes, folks, things need to change. Our world isn't what it was 20 years ago. It isn't what it was 30 years ago. Our, cha- our world has changed, and it's changed drastically. Some things should never change. We all agree on that. The Word of God, doctrine, all that this should never change. But I'm here to tell you some things need to change. Some things need to be updated. When COVID hit, one of the best things that's happened to this church is we had to start live streaming. We've been talking for years about the benefits of live streaming. But man, I I didn't want to bother with it. I mean, it was just so much. And by the way, it's been a lot of work and it's still a work in progress. So much work is involved in doing it. But guess what COVID-19 did? It pushed us into that change. It's a good thing. It's one of the good things that happened because that's a great tool. It's a great resource. I've got people. I've got people that I have not connected with in forever that watch our live stream. I praise the Lord for that. It's awesome to reach more people that way. But you know what? It'll never happen unless you make a change, a tweak. Something has to change uh in your life if you want a different result. Now, if you're if you're fine with the same old, same old, then don't ever change. But if you want to be better, if you want to be stronger, if you want to be more mature as a Christian, then we gotta tweak some things. We've got to change some things in our lives. And change them for the better, not for the worse. That is. Separation. You can't be like the world and be like God, too. It, just, it doesn't work that way. You can't straddle the fence. You can't serve God and man. And the Bible's clear on that. You can't be on one side and be on the other. That's what we want, but that's what we can't get. If you're like the world, you're not like God. If you're like God, you're not like the world. Separation. Transform, transformation. God wants to transform you. He wants to transform your heart through salvation. He wants to transform your mind through sanctification. He wants to transform your ways through separation. Come out from among them. Be different. Be the peculiar people God's called you to be so that we can make a difference. I think Well, it's obvious that the rapture is closer than ever been before. Obviously, it's not happened yet, but it's around the corner. I believe it can happen at any moment. We must be about our Father's business. We need to stop playing with the world and start serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not saved. You never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning that God loves you? He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with a sacrificial love. He loves you with an unconditional love. And this morning, he wants to save you. What, is that, what does that entail? What does that mean? It has nothing to do with the, the amount of faith we have. It doesn't have anything to do with the kind of person we are. Listen, we're all fall, uh, uh, flawed. We're all f- uh, failures, spiritually. There's none righteous, no, not one, the scripture says. We've all come short of the glory of God every one of us so what do we need we don't need a better plan we don't need a better church we don't need a better pastor what do we need we need a savior and Jesus Christ is that savior you say preacher I'm not sure I'm saved I'm not sure if I'd die right now I'd go to heaven to be with God and I'm concerned about that would you pray for me just slip your hand up this morning right back down and I pray for you I'm gonna embarrass you anyway. I just want to pray for you by need. Please remember me in your prayers, preacher. I'm not sure I'm saved. But I want to be. I need to be. Here's my hand. Please pray for me. Is there one? Maybe you're saved, you know Christ is your Savior. He's transformed your heart. Has He transformed your mind? Has He transformed your ways? We need to separate to Him. We need to surrender. To him be not drunk with wine, Ephesians five says, where is success, but be filled with the spirit it 's the only way to be successful spiritually is to be filled with the spirit and allow the truth of the Word of God to transform you let 's stand together, head bowed eyes closed, instruments playing this morning. hymn invitation can I invite you to come this morning? talk it over the Lord may the Lord speak into your heart about a specific uh, a problem or circumstance or a decision, a prayer request, whatever it might be that's going on in your life right now. I pray that this morning that you get that thing taken care of. Cast it upon the Lord. He cares for you. Let's change our minds. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's change our ways. Be separate from the Lord. Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye you double minded. If you need to come for whatever reason, as the instruments play, you come.